Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Today, I'm going to talk about three things to keep in mind regarding compliance in times of crisis. But first, I want to once again mention that there will be a live webinar entitled Updating Your Code of Conduct Best Practices. It's being put on by the Clear Law Institute. I'm going to be the speaker on February 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're interested, uh, you can check out clearlawinstitute.com or you can go to our website, uh, find out information, or look in the show notes for this podcast for a link to go to that podcast. You may have noticed that I sound a little different. That's because I'm down, like many Americans, with the flu right now, to trying to get a little bit of work done, even though I'm in a little slightly incapacitated form. And it got me to thinking a little bit about uh, how organizations operate uh, in times of crisis. Uh, most organizations of size have a uh, plan in place, uh, for a business continuity plan or disaster plan in place when something happens to one or more of their facilities during a natural disaster or something else going on. And there are many organizations here, at least in the uh, United States right now, uh, who are hit uh, with a lot of uh, people being out uh, some, and some facilities being uh, actually shut down uh, because of the uh, severity of, uh, unexpected severity of the flu outbreak here in the United States this spring. Um, so it got me to thinking about how compliance uh, fits into the puzzle around uh, crisis planning or business continuity, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that and talk about three particular aspects that I think are important to keep in mind. The first thing that I want to mention, uh, which I think is important uh, when you're talking not only about uh, business planning and uh, crisis planning and crisis intervention in particular, but just generally speaking, is to have a seat at the table as the representative of the compliance uh, office and the compliance function uh, when any kind of serious business planning is being undertaken. Uh, there needs to be consideration of the compliance function, uh, your controls, uh, your monitoring, uh, the systems of compliance, if you will, but also, uh, generally speaking, how compliance fits into the circumstances around uh, business continuity planning or disaster uh, planning for an organization. I think that's important and it is sometimes overlooked, but having a seat at the table, uh, being involved in planning and having uh, a voice, if you will, I think is key to this. Uh, you're going to be able to point out uh, uh, situations where there's perhaps ways that compliance can help. Uh, and I'll talk about a couple of those in a, in a minute. Uh, but also you're going to be in a position to uh, raise the alarm uh, when uh, certain aspects of a uh, continuity plan or a crisis plan is put forward that is p potentially problematic, both for your controls or for monitoring or uh, uh, any other aspects of, of the compliance program. So simply being involved, I think, is, is the first piece, as it is with many of, of uh, aspects of, of being involved in business planning generally uh, and all the other kind of commercial aspects of the organization. Uh, the more you can be involved, the more you can at least have a seat at the table, uh, and, and be able to voice concerns and, and provide input uh, in all of these aspects, it's really helpful. Uh, and certainly business uh, continuity uh, crisis uh, intervention is, is no different from that. 
The second thing I think it is important, this is a more practical one, which I've seen uh, uh, happen in the past, is being uh, able to be involved in the examination of the processes that are going to be put in place. Oftentimes when there is a, uh, a business continuity program, there are a lot of uh, uh, shortcuts <laughs> uh, taken to normal processes, and, and those are, are, are out of necessity. Uh, if a location is uh, uh, somehow um, shut down or, or unavailable, uh, there may be important resources that are unavailable. And so there have to be uh, compromises made all the time uh, when you're putting together the plan. The important thing, again, going back to the first point, is that you need to be involved in the planning process so these things can be discussed and the different per per permutations uh, be discussed so that the uh, uh, final result is something that everybody uh, has thought through carefully. Um, you know, not just to ensure compliance, but, but also, I think, to help with the efficiency of the process. Uh, and that, that can uh, be a kind of unexpected benefit, I think, of uh, disaster planning or business continuity planning, is it, it causes you to really look seriously at some of your systems and your processes. And you may find some inefficiencies there, for example, that uh, can be um, uh, alleviated, not just for the purposes of a, of a disaster plan, but, but just generally be uh, uh, streamlined or made more efficient. So it's a, it's a good part of the process to be involved in, taking a hard look at, for instance, approvals uh, for certain things. Uh, this is take one, uh, expense approvals. Um, often these are, in, in particularly in larger and more integrated organizations, are more automated. Uh, automated processes t tend to break down uh, during uh, uh, stress events. Um, and processes that have um, multiple uh, decision points, if you will, or Multiple, multiple places where they can break down are more apt to break down. Uh, so it's a good opportunity to take a look at um, uh, streamlining uh, your processes as much as possible for things like um, uh, expense approvals uh, and, finding, and, and finding efficiencies there and perhaps finding systems and processes that work better. Uh, another example uh, kind of along the same lines is any kind of uh, approval process or, or um, uh, sign-off process if you have multiple tiers, uh, you know, one that was in an organization that I worked with in the last 10 years, where if you wanted to get a team member to work on a certain piece of, uh, of a project, you had to sub ask a, a project manager to submit a ticket. That ticket would then be approved by a manager and then assigned to the person who would actually do the work. So there were one, two, uh, two levels of uh, approval, two levels uh, basically of passing on that uh, message before it got to the individual who was actually responsible for doing the work. And perhaps in some circumstances, uh, those sorts of approvals, although um, uh, not uh, purposely designed to be that way, uh, can be fundamental problems. Now, what you don't want is uh, to have a circumstance where uh, these things just get circumvented uh, when there's an issue, when there's a business continuity issue or a disaster or just generally uh, where people find ways to work around inefficiencies. Because that's what will happen. Uh, your, your employees will find a way uh, when there are inefficiencies in your system to work around them. And that sets up this, uh, to me this is at the heart of a lot of issues that come up during um, uh, emergencies or, or business continuity uh, situations 
is you don't want your program or your compliance uh, protocols, your, your, your controls, your systems, your processes to be seen as an unnecessary nuisance because if they're going to be ignored in times of uh, crisis, they're apt to be uh, ignored in all, at all times and that's not what we want. Uh, so uh, examining the processes beforehand when uh, you're planning uh, for an event uh, will not only bring up ways to possibly streamline um, and amend pro uh, processes and approvals and, and uh, 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 control uh, tools that you have for the purposes of getting through that issue, but it also might cause you to seriously examine the efficiency of those tools, processes, and that plan at all times. Um, because that, uh, that is, uh, I think, one of the biggest dangers during a, uh, a disaster or, or a business continuity event is that people are going to assume uh, that this stuff just doesn't really matter. Um, and, and if the plan is set up in such a way as to throw, this, throw all of the controls and all the systems overboard uh, because they're too um, uh, difficult to manage during a crisis situation, uh, then that's going to only lead people to believe that these things are uh, unnecessary, and that uh, shouldn't be the case. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's true for every organization, but for many, many organizations, there are, are, there's room to be more efficient. There are rooms to, there's room to improve your, your processes, uh, your controls, your policies, your communication, all aspects of your program to make it more efficient uh, and more um, accessible to your team uh, and make it more important and integral to the operation. And that's really what um, these first two uh, suggestions are all about, is making compliance more integral to the process of business. And that includes the disaster and uh, business continuity part of the business. There's no, there's, there's no um, uh, escape hatch. There's no exception uh, to compliance. Compliance always applies. The law always applies. Uh, an organization is not going to get a pass on, for example, uh, clean water and air um, uh, violations uh, just because there's been uh, a natural disaster. Um, the expectations are still going to be there uh, that, you're going, that your organization is going to follow the law. The expectations for your employees and your other stakeholders should be that we're still going to comply uh, with our processes and our rules. We're still going to um, keep in mind uh, how important our, our compliance program and our uh, ethical culture is, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what's going on outside the organization. Uh, you can't have a situation where uh, simply because uh, there are complexities, the rules just simply don't apply. We all understand that. Um, and, and the way to uh, avoid that becoming an issue is to think about these things beforehand and be involved in the disaster um, and business continuity planning process so that your voice is heard uh, and you know that it's not going to be simply a matter of, well, the rules don't apply uh, because we have to get business done. The last thing I would say, the third thing, um, is uh, to make that all happen. Uh, it's important to reinforce the importance of uh, the values of the organization, the compliance program, and controls through communication and other uh, resource use to reinforce those important aspects of the program. Uh, extraordinary circumstances shouldn't trump uh, the basic values that uh, your organization holds 
doesn't trump the compliance program, uh, doesn't abrogate the policies, um, doesn't uh, do away with basic concepts like reporting. Uh, rules still apply. So I think there's an opportunity um, when you're involved in this process to have a slate, if you will, of ready-to-go communication materials that uh, reinforce these important compliance aspects of your program uh, during times of crisis. Uh, we still report. We still follow the rules and procedures. We don't act in an unsafe manner. Uh, we still treat each other with respect. Um, you know, having uh, communications ready to go uh, that reinforce the importance of compliance, the importance, the importance of reporting, uh, the uh, significance of uh, non-retaliation or anti-retaliation uh, within the organization for those that want to come forward, uh, the necessity of, uh, of keeping uh, the structure in place and uh, keeping the values of the organization uh, still relevant uh, during all circumstances. Those are important things to reinforce, and I think it's worthwhile to spend a little bit of your time considering uh, having some ready-to-deploy de ready to, to assets uh, to communicate about the importance of compliance even in difficult circumstances. That's when your compliance program is tested. That's when the values of an organization are tested. That's when a reporting system and non-retaliation policy is tested when things are not going as to plan, when things are not normal, when there's stress on the system. Uh, that's when uh, you have to rely on the effectiveness of the systems and programs and procedures that you put in place. Those tools have to work uh, even in the most stressful of circumstances. Well, one of your important tools as a compliance officer is communication. Uh, we've talked about it a lot uh, in the last six months. I've uh, done several podcasts on this and will plan to do more in the future uh, on the importance of uh, informal communication, communication outside of the, your typical structured training communication, how important that is to uh, building awareness, uh, uh, getting acceptance for um, sometimes difficult concepts like reporting when there's fear of retaliation. Uh, the communication aspect of your program is, is really, really important. And as a compliance officer, when you're planning for business continuity or planning for a, uh, a, an event, uh, a, an emergency event, one of the things that you have, one of the tools that you need to have ready to go is your communication package. Uh, what are you going to say about uh, reporting? What are you going to say about seeking advice? And, um, and that can also um, impact the practical. How are people going to report uh, when there's a power outage? Are, are, is, is, is there still going to be access to your hotline or helpline or your other uh, reporting materials, uh, reporting assets rather? And uh, if there's not, you know, what's the plan? So you need to think through these things beforehand. Uh, but having uh, a ready-to-go, ready-to-deploy uh, communication package, I think, is an important aspect of preparing uh, for business continuity as a compliance officer. So I hope those three things are, are, are helpful to at least get you thinking. Number one, uh, if you're not involved at all uh, in the business continuity plan, uh, then you need to be, uh, or you at least need to, to lobby to be. Uh, you need to be able to um, work with other team members to ensure uh, that your systems, uh, your tools, your processes, 
uh, your communication and training is all uh, aligned with what's going on otherwise uh, as far as the planning goes. The second thing is uh, it's a good time to examine those tools and those processes. Um, you know, not just for the purposes of uh, a you know, special event or business continuity, but just how efficient are they generally. It's, a, it's an opportunity uh, to re-examine those things, uh, particularly processes and tools. And then lastly, uh, as always, I'm always looking for opportunities for those of you out there that are um, evangelizing uh, to, to further communicate. And um, this is an opportunity uh, to make sure that there's communications and, and, and think about it this way. I think this is, you know, in a time of crisis, that's when uh, the importance of compliance really uh, shines. The importance of having a compliance uh, resource really shines. And so uh, being able to have something ready to go to be able to address those issues and provide uh, some context and some guidance in those in sometimes difficult times is really important. And the communication piece needs to be part of it. So I, again, I apologize uh, for the sound quality. I apologize for my raspy voice. Uh, uh, I, you know, I'm having a little minor uh, business continuity issue here uh, over the last couple of days, but I didn't want to um, uh, not uh, uh, address these things that came to my mind as I was thinking about it and what I know many other organizations that are uh, uh, facing not just the uh, issue with the flu outbreak, but so, several of the other uh, natural disasters that have happened over the last year. I've probably, probably brought these ideas uh, front, of, front of mind. Uh, once again, uh, on February 28th, uh, we will be participating with the Clear Law Institute, clearlawinstitute.com. Uh, uh, we'll be presenting a webinar called, entitled Updating Your Code of Conduct, Best Practices uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes here uh, you can also go to clearlawinstitute.com and search m my name or, or code of conduct best practices and, and get the information. If you need CLE credit for your law license, if you need CCB credit uh, for your uh, CCEP certification, uh, you can get both. Uh, I think uh, it's credited for an hour and 15 minutes, I believe, or an hour and a quarter. Um, so if you're looking for to get, get a little bit of credit or you are interested in the topic of code of conduct um, revision, I encourage you to join us. Uh, as always, thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.